Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Happy Friday. This is The Trading Desk. My name is Joshua Thanos, and this is my mother from another brother, Jason Maine. What's up, Jay? We're here. It's Friday. We have a pretty special episode. Yeah. Josh and I have uh, put a little bit of preparation in tonight's show. Yeah, that's probably going to be terrible. But uh, yeah, man, we we'll did. See. So we're doing a special show. This will be uh, Jay and I's last show of 2018. It's been a long road. That's right. And it's, this is our 30th show as well. And looking back, you know, I look back on what, 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 what we have accomplished this year, and it's been just so much. There's been a lot of accomplishment. Yeah, we've done so much, you know, uh, reflecting, and this is our first full year in, in Philadelphia. This is, it's been a long year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The winter's upon us. It's cold as hell outside, and, and we decided to put something special together, and, and this will be our first annual. Hopefully, we'll be looking back 10 years from now thinking, oh, the first show was terrible, but this show is great. First annual Trading Desk Awards, the Deskies. Look at that. There's a little, some, look at that. That's pretty cool, man. So, uh, so yeah, so we decided to look back on the year and decide basically from the trading room's perspective which watches were the best, the worst, the best sellers, most improved, all these things. So we have uh, 10 different categories. And basically what we did is uh, we made up some categories. We asked the guys in the office along with our own personal opinions, and yeah. we decided what the winners are. And we're going to go through that today. But first... Let's do a wrist a wrist check, Jay. Yeah, let's do it. So, in the theme of tonight's episode being the finale, I guess you would call it of the season or for the year, uh, and the award for our favorite watch that we purchased this year. Personally, and you guys, yeah, personally, uh, you guys knew it was going to be this. Uh, so, one one four zero six zero. So, current generation ceramic non date Submariner. Um, Absolutely love this watch. Uh, by far the best watch uh, I purchased this year. Both uh, kind of unique because it's both quality and my love for the watch. Whereas yeah. some people might have bought something that was a little cheaper, but just happened to love it so much. For me, this is uh, both the most most expensive. Are you piece. throwing shade at me based on my no, not based at all. on my pick, you ass? <laughs> not at all. So both uh, the most expensive, and I just fell, uh, you know, uh, really, really in love with this piece. And it's really nice. I broke it out of the watch box today, and I haven't worn it for about two weeks, so uh, falling in love all over again. And the fact that it's gone up in value probably about 20% since you purchased it doesn't yeah, hurt either, not, right, Jason? Uh, not yeah. too shabby there, sir. All right, so I picked up a few different pieces, uh, moved in and out of some watches this year, and I, it, was a, it was a tough call because I did pick up something after I bought this watch, which I thought would have been my favorite, but after wearing this watch for last week, I've decided, and you guys have seen it, it's my SMP, Omega Seamaster Professional. This Boom. is the... The ceramic previous was at forty point five millimeters blue. I mean, damn! Look at that. That is a beautiful blue. on the bracelet as it should be. Yeah, I put it on the bracelet. It, it's really nice on the strap, but uh, it's something about this on the bracelet, especially now in the winter. For some reason, I really, really like it. So I've become somewhat obsessed with this watch. I've been wearing it a lot, and you know what? It takes abuse, but it doesn't really show it. Um, and that's what I really like that about this watch. And it's super affordable. I mean, it's a great entry level. But it's also a piece that, you know, you might have APs, Rolexes, everything across the board, you know, Patek Philippe, but you can still appreciate the Seamaster Professional, especially now with the 42. They right. came out too, so you have a lot of different options. And I think, Jay, you picked up a, an older version of this watch. Yeah. I picked up the uh, the older original wave dial, mm -hmm. and I, lo I love it too. It wears a little bit thinner than that piece. Look at that. But when you put them side by wear. side, you, you could own both. I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, and it's actually, really nice. Yeah, I might I might pick up uh, yeah. an older piece also. That's one thing I'm I think is missing from this watch. While the dial is beautiful, having the wave is nice. Um, so you know you could really have the one that you have, which is what 1999. Yeah, you could have this version with the with the uh, flat ceramic dial, and you can also have the new 42 with the wave. And they all kind of wear a little bit yeah. different, and they're nice. So there you go. That's what I'm wearing on the wrist today. This is my favorite pickup of the year. Essentially, I mean, I had a Yachtmaster earlier in the year that, that I really, really liked and decided yeah. to trade that watch. Um, and I'll probably end up owning something like that. You know, maybe I'll own the, the newer the 116622 I was thinking about. Maybe that'll be so, in the uh, new year, a new pickup. But Both of us have lists for next year already starting. Hell yeah. So there's always a list. I got um, a list for the next 10 years. Jay. Yeah. So hopefully next year, uh, some new picks, some new wrist shots, some new pickups. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Let's get into the meat and potatoes. All right, cool. So let's get down to business so the first category and we were we were deciding what we're going to do first and last and then we decided it doesn't really matter jason 
So we're going to start with the first category uh, of the night, and that is the most hyped watch, or the most anticipated watch, but we like hyped, of 2018. So Jason, there's many different watches that were very hyped up going into the year and throughout the year. Yeah. Right? So there's a whole list of these watches. Different uh, different models from different uh, brands, different model lines, new model lines, remakes, all these things. But there's really only going to be one. So let's break it down to the nominees. Sure. You want to read it out? Yeah, let's go all for right, it. Cool. So first and foremost, we have the uh, 126710, which you guys know as the new Ooh. Steel Pepsi. Yes. Highly anticipated. Yes. Everybody, Still going over list. Everybody was running around trying to get on a list for one of these. Everybody was Still talking on. about it before it even dropped. Mm -hmm. It was everybody's favorite watch before anybody put it on their wrist. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's hype. Yeah, it's definitely it's, hype. So you got your guys running around in Yeezys with Supreme stickers on their laptops trying to get these watches. Is that right, Jay? And, uh, yeah, it's a hype beast. Where are, your, where are your Yeezys? No, no, not, not today. No. All right. So the, uh, the second nominee for most hyped watch of the year is going to be Patek Philippe Aquanaut Chrono, the 5968A for steel. There you go. It's a 42 millimeter or 44? Yeah, 42. So um, also uh, nominated around the office is the big boy. That's right. Yeah. Large watch on the wrist. Uh, I mean, this came out, obviously it's a stainless steel paddock, so this time of the year it's unbelievably hyped. New release, people knocking down our doors for the watch. Uh, you know, offers over retail. So, yeah, very hyped watch. And that's, that watch on the orange strap, too, is is on fire. Yeah, sick um, watch. All right, next third watch, nominee. We have the new 44-millimeter uh, FP Journe chronograph. The Monopossois. Yes. So when you look at this watch, first of all, FP Journe 2017 on fire. Going into 2018, just gaining steam. And there was a new model. What we're going to do, this was based actually off the only watch that he made the uh which was a right. this this same movement in a slightly smaller case i believe different dial configuration a little bit um obviously not on a bracelet so uh when everybody was talking about hey, what is Jorn going to do next what has he got next when now he's got heat on him before he was the underdog now people are looking at Jorn. what is he going to do a 44 millimeter mono pusher chrono when you look at that watch let's bring it back up again let's bring up that uh that um that graphic all right so when you look at it you're like josh that is not a mono pusher chrono and i say you don't know what the hell you're talking about because it is certainly is so being jorn he decided to uh, lay it out like a regular chrono but the first is a start stop reset and on the bottom is the uh is the flyback i believe right right so the uh retropont sorry so you have yeah the, at the two o'clock pusher uh first is stop start and then reset like a normal mono, um, it's not activated by the crown, which would I think would have been like an extra. Yeah. Like if it was just a, it looked like a regular chrono, but neither one of the buttons did anything with the chronograph. <laughs> I think that would have been like extra Jorn. Yeah. But in my opinion, when you look, uh, you know, eventually once uh, once this uh, man passes away and we look at his legacy as a watchmaker, I believe he's going to be known for chronographs, right? Yeah. His chronographs are have always been pushed the boundary of sure. chronographs. Mm -hmm. So I think this only makes sense as like a logical uh, evolution to his watchmaking yeah. in that movement. And it, the watch is gorgeous. Um, I think the rose gold variant is probably the nicer piece. Mm -hmm. um, I like the watch, but it, it was... Super uh, hyped. It was super hyped, and people were swearing that it was everything before anybody ever got their hands on it. That's which right. is and the now, definition of And so we're an authorized dealer for the brand. We see these things like there's a waiting list for the watch now. We've only gotten a few. They've all sold immediately ahead of time. So certainly fits the bill as a very hyped watch. All right. And uh, so the last nominee is another from a brand that you wouldn't think of in terms of being hyped but you know we were looking for something out of this brand for a while and when it was uh when it was announced people were like oh this is where it goes right so the jlc polaris collection that is our fourth nominee for most hyped watch of the year obviously they came out with a new case shape you know harkening back to the polaris you know vintage polaris uh, uh jlc's they have the chrono they have the uh the world time the um uh, the alarm, Memovox, yep. everything across the board. So very hyped. I had people calling us about the blue dial variants ahead of time, and you know, it's, you know, cooled down a little bit. But before, right when it was announced, I got a pl plenty of calls for that. Yeah. For that so launch. this is this is one of the ones on the list that I'll go ahead and jump on the the grenade here. I was hyped for this watch. Sure. Um, when they announced a new case and and this model, I thought you know we were going to see just a new 
generation of retro inspired watches from them which sure. seems to be what they do really well um you know solid movements i thought the price point was fantastic uh both in starting and in the range sure so uh, i was really excited for the chronograph turns out i think the world timer is probably the nicest of all the pieces mm -hmm. in my opinion at least from what i've handled um you know it's not on this page here, definitely no. definitely sure. a hyped watch Okay. All right, cool. So we have our four nominees. We got the Rolex Pepsi, the new Aquanaut Chrono, we got the, the new Jorn Chrono, Mono Pussoir, and the JLC Polaris Collection. So, Jason, why don't you announce the first winner the in the of the Deskies, Jason? The first ever Desky. It, Goes it is to, truly a privilege and an right. honor to have both worked by your side and honor. Are you quitting? No. Oh, okay. uh, the uh, Rolex Pepsi as the winner of the first Desky. So much energy, Jason. That's what I like about you. It's yes. The Deskies, guys. By far the most hyped watch of the year. Deskies, Deskies, I'll deskies, argue that deskies. all day long. It still is. It's unbelievable. The watch is unbelievably hyped, and that's the first winner. The most hyped watch of the year, the new steel Rolex Pepsi. There you go. Look at that. Look at the award. Look how shiny it is. It's a great award. We did that in gold, guys. That's yeah. real 18 karat gold. That's right. All right. Awesome. So... We popped off now. Yeah. Let's just so that's, get this rolling. That's the format of the show. That's pretty much how it's going to go from here on out. Uh, it's very exciting. So fast forward to the end if you want to see. <laughs> so the second <laughs> second category is the opposite of the most hype. And this is the sleeper watch of 2018. The one you didn't see coming. That's right. The watches that we – so we get to look at watches all day long. We see probably more watches than 99.99% .99 of the population, maybe even – take that out a few more decimal points right so we get to see everything and we get to make you know decisions buying decisions constantly but there's some watches we're like man that should be worth more people should be really paying attention to that watch right so we got some sleepers right got some sleepers all right so uh the nominees are for best sleeper watch so the first watch here it's uh completely impartial mm, hey. uh this is the cartier santos all right. This is no Santos, no regular Santos. This is no. the new Santos. This is the new Santos. And we just happen to have one here on set. And this watch, admittedly, plays better in person and on the wrist uh, than in photographs. So this is a new Cartier Santos, much thinner case. It has, uh, it's a 42 millimeter case, but much thinner than the previous Santoses, which were honestly unwearable. They were like, uh, it was like basically wearing like a Breitling Bentley. That's how I felt like the old ones were. And they were yeah. uh, not great watches. I didn't really like them. Not a lot of people like them. They don't really trade very well. You know, kind of crap. So they redid the entire watch. And this is a watch that was released this year already. The coolest thing about this watch is the technology that they put into the bracelet. Easy change which is different from the old easy change on the um on the uh, roadster right right and then even one step farther which i'm obsessed with and i wish everybody did this inc including rolex you can change the links with not a tool oh this one's stuck a little bit though it's not popping all right so cartier has a history of doing these uh quick change in a couple different configurations look at this it's amazing yeah no no tools required you could size the bracelet on the fly so uh, they have a history of doing these i think here is the next evolution i will also mention uh, one of the cool things with those links is the pins are captured so you can't lose the little pins that pop out look i lose things that's what i do right this will not come out of the bracelet that's amazing i'll probably lose this link but i won't lose the pin that's in the link it's amazing yeah uh, great so this is definitely an evolution of their design and uh one that i think merits uh you know, if not the award, at least uh, being nominated. Yeah, it's fantastic. So that's the first sleeper watch of 2018. So the second nominee for sleeper watch of 2018 is what, Jason? This is going to be uh, one that we both kind of like, I, I really think. Like this and watch, this yeah. was a sleeper so much so that I didn't even see it coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, they announced this watch, and I guess it was out for a little while before it even hit both of our radars. Yeah, but it's still the, sleeping. Uh, Bell & Ross Diver. Oh, yeah. I think it's a great watch. And I have a, uh, a fond history with Bell & Ross uh, all the way back to uh, some of the first limited editions I used to sell a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I uh, have sold probably uh, my fair share of Bell & Ross's over the years. Yeah. And I think this is the uh, culmination of probably the best of Bell & Ross. I always loved the O2. Mm -hmm. I always loved the square case because it's very iconic. So for me, this fits. Uh, this really hits home. So this is the first 
Bell and Ross in the forty-two millimeter with the screw-down crown, right? Right. Okay, and that makes it so much all, so much better. It's a diver it has to have screw-down crown. Yeah, of course. Love the watch. Fits great on the wrist. They make it in a bronze, and then they make two models in steel with black. Yeah, there's and, blue. and obviously with the with the uh, being Bell and Ross, you can change the straps out. They have tons of custom straps. Sure. But the bronze one's actually like stupid cheap yeah. uh, on the secondary. Uh, also, Stupidly cheap. Yeah, I mean, you get a great deal for the money. I mean, yeah. they're, they're great pieces. Cool. All right, so Bell and Ross Diver is the uh, second nominee for Sleeper Watch of 2018. So the third nominee for Sleeper Watch of 2018 Might suspiciously be... come from Jason, and that is you guys know the 42-millimeter Explorer, the 216570 white dollar, white dollar polar. So why is this a Sleeper Watch, Jason? I think uh, defend your choice. Yeah, I think this fits. So you know, it's a Rolex. Most people say a Rolex isn't a sleeper. I think it fits perfect if you're going to pick a Rolex sleeper because nobody saw this watch escalating in value on the secondary market the way it has over the last twelve months. Okay. Um, this is a watch they used to be able to buy for six sixty two hundred bucks. Pre-owned. Um, yeah. Pre-owned and eighty one hundred dollar retail. And get you know get the the pick of your choice. You could get a great one. You know, box papers right around that price range. Now you can't even touch the watch. You can get a you know seventy five hundred dollars or so. Yeah, market on, price on, a, but on the market. So it's still a sleeper because it's under retail, yeah, right? It, well, it's under retail, but it's also a piece that just like has steadily climbed on the secondary market all over this year. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're gonna pick a Rolex that's under retail but has has come back, uh, you know what we'll call under the radar or sleeping, it has to be this piece. Okay. And uh, so I guess dials, it's, a, it's a Rolex that pe- less people are paying attention to. Is that why it's a sleeper? Yeah. Okay. All and right. the dial's gorgeous. Jason's pick to put as a nominee. He nominated that watch. And then the third nominee for Sleeper Watch of 2018, based on our opinions, okay, because we don't really care about anyone else's, is Gerard Perigo Laureato Chrono, the new Laureato's cool watches. So I like this watch a lot. I actually like it as well. Um, a piece that I didn't think I was going to like until mm-hmm. I put one on my wrist. Yeah. Uh, this silver dial you see here with uh, the panda, yeah, you know, what we call the panda. panda they also panda, have it in panda, blue panda, dial, panda, which is panda. actually really pretty. That's right. Um, I like the non-chrono better, but we decided as a sleeper for sure. So you can find these. So secondary market on GP is roughly, you know, forty to fifty percent of the retail value, right? Yeah. So you can get them at really, really good prices. There's no line for these watches, but they wear great. They're in-house movements. GP is known for making good movements, and. Uh, all around fantastic watch. I think this uh, this watch is a home run for GP, and I don't know if it followed through with the actual sales numbers, but from a, well, that's why it's a sleeper. fan of the of the brand, mm-hmm. I think it pulls a lot of the history of the watch while still keeping it very modern and sporty. Yeah, and you get a good look, and it's not like overly GP. It's not like the Seahawk where you have like oh, some yeah. kind of Ugh. crazy case hanging off. It's it's actually really nice, and you kind of have to see one of these on the wrist to, to appreciate it. So cool. yeah, all right. So let's announce. Our second winner of the night, Jason, Sleeper Watch of 2018 from the list of nominees, Cartier Santos, Belenrass Diver, Rolex Polar, Explorer 2, or the Gerard Perigo. The winner is? It's going to have to be because I'm, this is my show, and I picked it. Okay. Is the Polar. Oh, Jason. And do you know why it's, it's my pick? Because this will be on my wrist in 2019. Guarantee it, guys. It's going to happen. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So, look so at there that. you go. Solid Sleeper gold. watch of the year. Solid gold. If it was up to me, I, the runner-up, close runner-up would be the, the Cartier Santos, in my opinion, because that's truly mm, a sleeper. Watch. No one's really buying the watch, and like, there's not a lot of demand for the watch, but the watch is awesome, and you should be buying it, and the price point's fantastic, $68.50. All right. Great. Uh, so, we got two winners under our belts. We got some more categories there, yeah, Jay. Yeah, we do. Uh, right. So, category number three. Okay. So, now we're, we went to, we went from most height to sleeper. Now we're going to worst performer. That's right. So uh, in terms of market value or retail sales, the worst performer of the year. The watches that just end up being duds, unfortunately. All right, so what do we have in terms of nominees this year, Jason? So I think it's uh, had to be number one, and uh, that's going to be the uh, Breitling Navitimer 8 series. Okay, so that's the first nominee. Yeah. First nominee for worst performer of the year. Uh, this yeah. was a uh, complete swing and a miss from uh, as far as pretty much everybody in the watch industry is concerned mm-hmm. is in regards to Breitling's 
first attempt to revamp the brand. Yeah. And uh, well, new ownership. Yeah, new ownership, new tooling. And apparently. we're like, man, they're gonna do it. Go yeah. back to your roots. Make a new Navitimer. This is awesome. And then just kind of missed the mark. And I think a lot of people were really disappointed in this watch. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said, well, let's wait and see it in person, and still well, didn't deliver. What's funny is, as a side note, the new premieres are actually really nice watches, and we were like those, and they should have just, you yeah. know release those even though the price points are a little bit too high in my opinion the premieres are should have been the first release i think that would have brought yeah. a, a lot so of, there's some running speculation and i would probably tend to agree that because a project of this magnitude takes so long that the new management kind of inherited this project sure and so much r&d and tooling and all mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. that you just had to release it gotcha um so but yeah first right. a nominee of this way category. to soften the blow all yeah. right so the second nominee for worst performer in terms of market value or retail sales it's going to be, it hurts me to say, Vintage Panerai's. So we've seen a steady decline in market value of Vintage Panerai's over the last, say, five, ten years. Really, Well, I would say five years, right? For sure, seven, eight years. Um, Panerai 203s, Panerai 127s, 5218s of different, uh, you know, uh, of different um, variations, the 341. All these watches have come down, probably halved in market value. And this year... Really didn't help. It's just slow, steady decline, and I think that's due to, you know, Panerai's new direction and a lot of old, old-time Panerai collectors just feeling like they've been abandoned. Listen, I understand. You know, Panerai went in a new direction. They made watches like the Douay, and they're releasing new in-house movements and focusing on other things than what their heritage really was. You know, tourbillons and going, you know, laser or yeah, laser-printed uh, titanium cases for tourbillons and things like that. Things that Panerai hadn't done in the past. So. What's the casualty? Vintage Panerai, unfortunately. Yeah, it's been a very steep uh, downward hill, mm -hmm. apparently, uh, over the last couple of years. It's been rough to watch. Uh, what, 12, maybe 15 months ago, we saw a little bit of an uptick for Panerai, and then it kind of just dropped But not for Vintage. Vintage yeah, has always just, been going it's down. Been, it's been bad. Well, the, um, the contemporary stuff is, is doing all right yeah, in market I mean, value. That not... took a dive, too, but it's all that stuff, uh, the contemporary stuff, for the most part, is kind of, yeah. you, you know, remember it's, the it's days in when, like, Pre-Vendome and like A right. A serials meant something. That's what we're like, talking yeah, about. Yeah, those, exactly. Those but are the vintage pieces that we're talking about. A serials pre. I mean, I have an A serial O2. This is worth I don't know three four grand. Same like as that. every other O2 now. Right. Exactly. Except so, yours has water damage. Yeah, mine is. Yeah. And and no value. So all right. Uh, worst performer of the year. Third nominee is the JLC Polaris line. Ooh. So we talked about this as terms of hype because there was a lot of hype be, uh, coming out behind this line and people were really really excited for this and hey you know jlc's back on the map J uh, jason uh tim was uh was pretty excited and unfortunately kind of a flop jay yeah so this is going to be the only one that kind of hit uh overhyped and flops and uh, i think the reason there is that one or two of them stuck with guys and then the rest well, the of the line dial, just yeah. kind of poop plummeted yeah so yeah. um yeah, not a great uh, overall performance out of most of the line. I would say 80% yeah. of the line. Yeah, it's crappy. All right, and the uh, fourth and final nominee for worst performer in terms of market value retail sales this year is Vacheron Constantine Overseas Gen 3. So there you go. That now you So on the screen right now, you're seeing the strongest performer in terms of these models, but honestly... They just it flopped. I mean, oh, I think the chrono, this chrono is about thirty grand. I mean, the watch itself, very well executed, executed, right? Yeah. They they give you what they feel like is a lot of value. Unfortunately, they almost doubled the price point for the line itself, right? And they didn't. They, they made the watch a little bit too big, and they really didn't, they missed the mark big time. So this was another watch that probably could have been you know most overhyped watch of the year too. Very hyped. They put so much in terms of marketing and R&D, and I think that they just overinflated their costs, it seems like, decided to overinflate the price points. And if they had dropped their price points out the gate, probably 15, 20, 25% uh, in terms of uh, MSRPs, I feel like this would have done much better. But unfortunately, yeah, just kind of flopped. Another classic uh, you know, error for VC overreaching. Yeah. I think uh, anytime you drop something like uh, Evolution and you instantaneously boost the value of the previous generation because yeah. nobody wants to set the new one, mm -hmm. uh, you gotta you gotta reevaluate. Yeah. So hopefully next year is a reevaluation year. Yeah. So all right, uh, third category: worst performer, market value, retail sales. We had four nominees. We said Breitling, Navitimer, eight, 
Vintage Panerai as a whole, JLC Polaris line, and the VC Gen 3. So, Jason, by far and away, uh, my pick for this category and for the 18 karat gold Desky is the Breitling Navitimer 8. That is right. Have you sold any of these, Jason? I have not. Yeah, I haven't either. Unfortunately, I don't get any uh, any calls about them either. So, worst performer in terms of retail, for sure, is the Breitling Navitimer 8 this year. It's uh, been very disappointing. I'm sure uh, there's some people who bought them and they, maybe they like them, but unfortunately, as a whole, in terms of mass market, it just did not really get any traction. I will say, looking forward to positive signs from the Premier line, though. Yeah, cool, yeah. man. All right, so next category, and flipping the script a little bit, to the opposite of what we just talked about, will be most improved in terms of market value. That's right, Jason. So we have some that we had a lot to choose from because this year has been crazy yeah. in terms of uh, market value and watches. But I think we kind of encapsulated the uh, uh, the most valuable watches for the year. Sure. Most improved in value, and uh, the nominees are starting with. So this category specifically is something that you guys will recognize these watches because it's the bread and butter of what we talk about mostly on the show. Sure. Right. So the first nominee. Uh, when we were looking at this, and, and both of us agreed, had to be the Omega Silver Snoop. Snoopy. Well, not the Silver Snoopy, Jason. Just or all, all the Snoopies. Snoopies. All the Snoopies went up in value. In fact, the previous version with the blue on the dial used to sell like a year and a half ago for $3,500, not to $12,000 watch. Right. So obviously, the Silver Snoopy is a $25,000 watch from a $7,500 retail. Insane. But all the Snoopies have benefited. So yeah, the Silver Snoopy is going to be the premier piece mm -hmm. and the one that everybody now recognizes. Uh, a lot of guys that have Silver Snoopies don't even really know that there used to be other Snoopies. Mm -hmm. Some of these guys call in, I have, you know, I have the Snoopy watch. Well, which one? All right. You know, the only one. That's not true. Uh, all Snoopies are up. We do have, I think, uh, a bracelet one that recently. Um, that's a cool watch too, but I think the Silver Snoopy is really pretty. Yeah. Um, so there you, you know, go. Guys kicking themselves, they didn't get that at retail. Yeah. Market value exploded on that watch, and you don't really see it from a brand like Omega that is somewhat of, in terms of the watch world, relatively a mass producer. Right, so when you see something like that, it's very interesting, and it was just kind of like a blip, boom, on the radar, and exploded. And still, the silver Snoopies were waiting for those to come down, still haven't. Yeah, you know, they, it was a steady meteoric rise. All yeah. right, so second nominee and most improved market value will be the Rolex Submariner Hulk Edition, the one 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 six six one zero LV that's been around for. Uh, since what, two thousand eight or so, two thousand nine, yeah. something like that. Maybe a little, maybe later. I have to look it up. But so the watch's been around forever. This watch used to trade just like a regular Samaritan, maybe a couple hundred dollars more. In fact, I know that a couple years ago I had a chance to buy a pre-owned one for myself at $5,500, worked for the weekend, decided it was too green, Jason. Made a big mistake there because the watch is now trading between ten and 12000 and it seems like it might be going up. So this is a watch that retailed at, what, nine nine $9,050? Right. Okay, so it's well above retail, even from a wholesale perspective. And it's a watch that's been around for a long time and just this year blew up in value. Sure. Uh, approaching, I mean, I've seen listings for fifteen grand for these. Yeah. And if um, they discontinue it officially, yeah. certainly should be up, up over that. Listen, there's always you know rumors that go around. The I think this year's swell on this piece uh, came from a lot of rumors going around uh, that sure. it was going to be discontinued, which is always kind of the case with special off one-off pieces like sure. this. Um, the watch is awesome. I, I think it's a, to your point, it is a little too green for my taste, mm -hmm. but it is very cool and it's it's a good way to buy a non kind of basic sub and not spend the money like on the white gold blue sure. on blue smurf right yeah it's a good watch yeah all right third nominee for most improved market value is what jason this is going to be uh everybody's favorite nautilus <laughs> right it's the sure. uh, 5711 and you guys know we had to put the blue one up there so that's a watch that trades right now for like between fifty and fifty five thousand dollars and the question is what does it do jason it tells the time oh, wow and the stainless date. steel sport model selling for double the retail ridiculous jason that's yeah. how i feel i mean so we're talking most improved uh the market on that piece is just gone Insane. crazy through the roof yeah man and uh you know for for nothing aside from the fact that it is unobtainium yeah that's right fourth nominee for most improved market value is going to be the ap 15 202 st with the blue dial this is the ultra thin Jason, 39 millimeters with no quits, quick set date, goes for well above retail. Retail is yeah. what, 22 something around, 22 eight or so? Right. And the watch sells for like nearly $30,000 on the secondary market. 
this watch exploded. This watch used to sell for just on, it was it was a strong piece for AP for a long time. Used to sell market value probably just under list price, and now it's well well above. And we can talk about how, why that is you know a little bit later in the show. But that watch has certainly explode yeah. exploded in value. So Jason, state of the art non quick set right, movement yeah, on that guy. Old, yeah, exactly. Um, boutique only. So Jason, most improved market value. We got the Omega Snoopy. We got the Rolex Hulk Mariner. Patek 57, 11, 1A blue dial, and we have the AP 15202 blue dial. Going to have to go ahead and give this award to the 5711 that is right. blue dial. And if you thought it was anything else, you're a moron. Sorry. This watch is insane in value, and it just keeps going up. It just keeps going up. They, In fact, Patek recognized it, raised the retail value to try to cool it off. Didn't work. Yeah. Just kept going up. They said these these waiting lists are getting crazy. we got to do something on yeah. secondary. Uh, let's are chase still the happy. secondary market, which is usually the death of of yeah. collectability. Sure, and it didn't happen. No, they will. I feel like they did it to try to slow down. Yeah, the the uh, the demand for the watch and it didn't work at all. People are still waiting years right. for the watch at twenty nine thousand as opposed to twenty four before. Sure. So that yeah, that watch insane. I guess that could have been uh, you know in the conversation for most hyped watch. Uh, but it wasn't a release this year. Obviously, it's been around for a long, long time. And in right. fact, I have guys who called me. They bought the watch in 2008 when the market was terrible. Bought it at a big discount from some dealer and sold the watch to us pre-owned yeah. for insane amounts of money. So, some I mean, the watch. Stories there, yeah. Oh, sure. God, it's crazy. It really is. So, that watch, by far, most improved market value in 2018, 5711 Blue Dial and Steel, right? Yep. Cool, man. All right, next yeah, this is a cool category. It's yeah. uh, one we were excited to do, and from the conception of the show, right? I think this was one that we knew we were going to do mm-hmm. uh, before we even made the list. So this is going to be best special and or limited edition watch of 2018. That's right. So best special edition or limited edition watch, something off the beaten path. Yeah. Uh, these are watches that around the bullpen uh, we get excited about because yeah. it's not the normal. It's something that usually is uh, – you know, not always released in ahead of time. You don't always know about them, mm-hmm. uh, as for one of these watches, which we'll mention. And well, um, Hublot is going to dominate this category, I would assume. Uh, <laughs> aren't they all special and limited yeah. editions? So I think they're disqualified. Okay. Uh, so the number one pick um, or nomination for this is going to be the uh, in Royal no particular Oak. order, by the way. Yeah. So this is the Royal Oak Perpetual Calendar. Uh, specifically, this this dropped, and I don't think anybody knew that this was coming. It's the green dial, stainless steel perpetual calendar jason likes to talk about this any chance he gets yeah i mean it's just gorgeous i like i happen to love green i think that's a great shade really of you green. like green jason i think uh i like perpetual calendars i happen to like ap uh, i like stainless steel watches do i keep going or do keep I, going dude. and this just this is we got the, all day uh, so we're good this is everything so right. i actually really really as soon as that dropped i think it was something stupid like 50 pieces right. so uh when that dropped uh, so you're selling everything yeah, you own to buy I, that watch well, yeah i mean all right Tried to <laughs> tried to asset capital some of my stuff. Oh, God, don't bring that up. People <laughs> yeah. don't like that. Welcome to the deskies. All, right. All right, cool. So that was the first nominee. Second nominee, Omega Speedy Tuesday. So Omega decided that they were going to release a Speedy Tuesday edition to take advantage of what many, you know, uh, well, Fratello watches started Speedy so, Tuesday, right? So well, post a picture of your of your Speedmaster on a Tuesday. So this was Omega listening to the collectors. They made a watch for Speedy Tuesday, and here you go. It's basically a reverse panda on a strap. Really nice watch. Price point, I think, was like 71 something along those lines. And uh, it kind of, they, I think, I, I can't remember if this, this came out after the Snoopy, right? So they saw what was going on with the Snoopy. They released this. This watch, very hyped watch, but actually very nice, reasonable. Goes probably right around or a little bit over list now. Yeah, cool special edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Omega probably, uh, realistically, all of... These picks for special editions could have been Omega. They love to leverage mm-hmm. special editions, sure. um, reissues. So, yeah, but cool watch, Speedy Tuesday. you got to love that reverse style. That's right. Um, so third nominee. Third nominee is probably uh, the best of the big Rolexes, mm-hmm. and this is the James Cameron specifically, the new uh the new 44 with the new reproportioned bracelet, bracelet right. and uh, buckle. So Jason argued with me in regards to if this is a special edition, but I, I mean, listen, if you name a watch after a person, regardless of how many make, it's a special edition. So I think I, I think I, I, I got you to agree on that. Yeah, eventually I came down to the fact that as long as we named the category special and, and limited, limited, that's right, or limited, that, yeah, we would uh, include this watch. So right. I think it, it fits the bill. 
Um, I will say that these are, are, in my opinion, better than the original sure. uh, 44 millimeters, especially now that Rolex has figured out with the 43 millimeters some of the proportions and stuff. Sure, sure. So uh, I think this was a, a valid uh, re reissue for them on this watch and, and a good pick for us on the Deskies. What other special editions are you going to get from Rolex? It's really right. the only one, right? Okay. So the last nominee for best special or limited edition watch will be the FP Journe Holland in Holland. Yeah, we that's shot right. for the stars on this one. Oh, yeah, so that's a steel watch with, uh, was it Damascus? What yeah, is it? it's basically a... Uh, Holland Holland's a gun company, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, Holland Holland is a hmm. very, very, very expensive shotgun company. And, uh, what do you really, know about really shotguns, risk Jason? History. Um, that is actually a cross-section of a barrel. So oh. they basically uh, cut up one of these guns. Um, which I would have to assume. How's that make was, you feel? I would have to assume it was like a damaged gun because the guns are extremely expensive. I feel like you would never cut up a gun, would you, Jason? Um, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. So Holland uh, and Holland. So they made a special dial out of the out of the barrel from the, the Damascus Holland Holland barrel. Damascus. Yeah, it's basically a cross section, right. so a sliver of the dial. Right. Limited edition, uh, high retail, lots of demand for that watch. All right, so. Let's get to it. Best special or limited edition. We have the Royal Oak Perpetual Calendar limited edition steel with the green dial. Jason likes that watch. The yep. Omega Speedy Tuesday, the first edition. The Rolex James Cameron Deep Sea 44 with the new styled bracelet. Or the FP Journe Holland in Holland chronometer souverain, I guess is what that is. Shotgun right. watch. So, you want to go? You want to tell? Uh, you go for it. All right. So, the winner is... You guys ready for it? Royal Oak Perpetual Calendar in green. Go. That's what we picked. So, to be honest, guys, the, the close runner-up, in my opinion, would have been the James Cameron. I think that's a watch that's in super high demand, goes really super strong watch. But Jason overpowered me when this one, and he decided that that's the best special edition. And you know what? I can't argue. The watch is unbelievable. You're never going to see one. We haven't seen any. Yeah, no, we haven't even been offered one. 50 no. pieces, gone, in the wind. If so. you want to sell one at a huge profit, Jason's a buyer. Yeah. Personally, I'll just there you I'll go. PayPal you. All right, cool. So that's number five. We got we have five more to go, Jay. We do. I All know right. you guys thought it was over, and I know you thought that this show was uh, super short and you wished it was longer. So guess what? Fifty percent more. Cool. So the next category, and the next few categories are going to be based specifically around the brands. So the best Rolex of 2018. This is our pick, guys. This is what we've decided. What is the best Rolex of the year? This is probably what we should have named the show. Best Rolex? So people would just click, click on, on it, clickbait. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Best uh, Rolex. So best Rolex of the year. So let's explain these nominees before we do it because these aren't all watches that were released this year. Right, in fact, I don't think any of these watches released in 2018 now that I look at it. So we decided to look at, all right, out of all the watches, uh, out of all the Rolex, which ones were the best of the year? From a trading perspective. Well, from a trading perspective, from a wearability, from a, from a value across the board. And I think it makes sense with, with Rolex specifically because it seems like the stuff that's coming out, while there may be a premium, is always a year or two behind mm -hmm. for the for the, the real love of the watch. That's right. right? So the number one pick... Um, the, it's not the number in, one pick. Well, so Just the, number, the, yeah, first, the, first the first nomination. The first nominee. Let's, uh, <laughs> all right, so in, in this is in no, no random order, order, so now yeah. I'm going to skip the first nominee and go to the second one. Oh, sure. Keep you guessing. Uh, and we just talked about this watch. It's going to be the Hulk. Right. A lot of love for this watch. This watch has really matured, uh, as we were just talking, over this year, mm -hmm. both in value and in people that seem to have really just fallen in love with it. And uh, so it's on this list. Yeah, so this this is a really strong contender this year for being the best Rolex of the year. People have fallen back in love with this watch, and obviously it's a super strong performer. Yeah. All right, so uh, this the next one, which is actually our first nominee in no particular order, like I said, is the 116500 Ceramic Daytona. So this watch was released last year, 2017. It is insane. This blew up the entire Daytona market, right? So Daytonas have always been pretty strong. There's always been somewhat of a waiting list. But once this watch came out, everything just kind of the stars aligned, right? right. So there was a big uh, auction price for a uh, or sale for the um, the Paul Newman, and then shortly after this watch was released, and then everything went berserk, right? So you got. A, uh, they discontinued the old steel version. They have now ceramic bezels on the current version, and it makes the watch. So in the past, one thing that we've heard is the watch is a little feminine, right? 
It's like, I guess it would have been like almost like a unisex watch in the past because yeah. it was a little bit small, didn't have a date. Um, well, this watch is certainly a masculine piece. You yeah. don't really see a lot of women wearing ceramic Daytona. So this watch made the Daytona very wearable for men. I agree opinion. with that. Yeah, it makes I, it feel I, bigger. I've said on the show before that I believe the uh, Daytona is a woman's watch. And I think what that comes from is a lot of sales on that watch and a lot of secondary sales on that watch has gone towards women as the last couple of years watch got watches got bigger and bigger sure um now watches are coming back down in size mm -hmm. and collecting is coming back down in size i think this watch fits that uh masculine role really well cool um on a quick note i think my personal pick for that specific watch is the black gotcha but, yeah we've talked about it before yeah. i go back and forth the black i think is i like it as well it's a little bit more low-key it, lo it looks a little larger on the wrist too because it looks like a big black disc i think yeah. um our friend tim also likes the black one so can't argue with tim because if you do you're wrong. All right, third nominee for the best Rolex of 2018 would be the white gold GMT. The original Superman. The original, not the original Pepsi, the original ceramic Pepsi. So this watch was a dog for a little while. It was a watch that did not hold value on the secondary market. I know when it came out, it was hyped, then it took like a, like a, a nosedive. And right now, it's been discontinued. They changed the dial to blue, and then they shortly after that discontinued the watch. The watch is on fire. It's fantastic. My opinion, I like it better than the steel steel yeah. Pepsi, especially 100%. for similar money, but the value has gone up. Uh, 100%. I like the watch like the, the blue lot. or the black better? I think um, I like the black better. I saw the blue in person, and I liked it a lot better it's, than I thought I was going to really like nice. it. It's really, really nice, it's similar to but I think I still money. go with the black just because it's discontinued. Well, they both are. Um, well, the watch itself is discontinued. Right. Um, I don't know. There's something about that black dial yeah. in the mix of those colors. And like I said, I thought it was going to be hands down black dial, but then when I saw the blue, I was like, wow, it's, it's pretty really nice. nice. You could have but one each. Why not? I got a tycoon. This is a Rolex that I put on my wrist along with the Smurf, and it's just like, wow, I should own one of these. Yeah, both. yeah. yeah. and it's a darker blue than the Smurf. Yeah, it's really nice. Which is nice. The, uh, the white gold Submariner, right. if you guys aren't in the know like us. And then cool the uh, last nominee mm -hmm. uh, is the blue dial stainless steel Skydweller. That's right. So this watch came out also, was it 2017 as well? Correct. Uh, came out, when I saw this watch, I lost my mind. I thought this was amazing. It was a great watch. The price point was fantastic. Didn't, at that time, didn't foresee things going as insane as they, they are and going crazy over retail. This watch has performed so... The white dial and the black dial variant, or the silver dial and the black dial variant, have cooled off substantially, whereas sure. the what the blue dial is still just bonkers, right? right. Um, so that watch, super good performer in the market, also very wearable. It brought a watch that that was kind of out of the reach for a lot of people in terms of the movement down to a place that you know was very affordable in terms of watch collecting, sure. right? So from the 30s to the the 15th right 14 for retail yeah retail right so uh but obviously this watch sells probably in the low 20s and uh, it's been very very strong so best rolex of the year 2018 our pick we have the ceramic daytona the hulk submariner the white gold gmt either black or blue dial or the blue dial stainless sky dweller jason so our pick for the desky in our opinion because it's our show is the white gold GMT. That is right. Best value, best performer. The watch feels great on your wrist. I really like this watch, Jason, this year. Yeah. We fell in love with it, haven't we? I think we both need one. Right. Once you get the black, I'll get the blue, and we'll switch every other week. If any of you guys are feeling generous, my birthday's coming up next week. I'd love one of those. Go ahead and send it to me in the mail. Why don't you give them your address? No. All right. So that was our pick for Bex Rolex of the Year. So the next category is a little bit interesting. It's not a watch-specific but we wanted to talk about a brand in terms of how they performed, and we want to talk about some of the independents because they don't get as much love. So this will be best independent brand non-Rolex because Rolex is independent also, but, I mean, they're basically half of the watch industry, right? So the best independent brand non-Rolex. So this is from the brand perspective, the entire brand. So we got four nominees for this as well in no particular order, Jason. Correct. We have, what's the first one? Patek. That's right, Patek Philippe. Patek Philippe. Then we have AP. Audemars Piguet. Right. F.P. Journe. F.P. Journe, the man, the and, myth, the legend. And uh, Laurent Ferrier. Laurent Ferrier, also the man, the myth, the legend, and a former race car driver. We like Laurent Ferrier, don't we? We like driving cars, too. That's right. Absolutely. So, he. so each brand has done a ton this year. All these brands have either grown in popularity or have become established themselves, I'd say, sure. right? So Patek, uh, now you got rappers 
rapping about Patek Philippe. It's becoming, yeah, pop culture. I mean, not pop, but it's becoming like uh, yeah, pop culture. You know, culture. No pop culture. It's coming. Sure. It's becoming, you know, a name, a name brand, household name brand. Yes. Um, we which have for a long time wasn't the case. Rappers named Little Uzi are calling us for Patek Philippe watches so we can wear them on stage. These are guys who used to wear like diamond brightlings and gold Rolex and right. stuff, but they're now they're Jacob and Co's. Jacob and Co's. That's who made the, you know. The rap community made those watches popular right. and made watch snobs puke in their mouth. So now they're buying up all the watches that the watch snobs want. That's right. Patek Philippe right. in pop culture. It's amazing. So AP, AP this year exploded in popularity as sure. well. They did it a little bit different. Well, obviously, you know, they've always had partnerships with, uh, with athletes and things like that. But they weren't always the hottest watches on the block, right? right? So, But AP this year decided to go basically vertical in terms of their distribution, bring everything back in-house, and they thought, hey, we got enough demand to do so. And it looks like it's working. They have blown up market value for Audemars Piguet's insane. Yeah, the management uh, decision for this and just like flipping the retail perspective on its head and, yeah. and going completely vertical has yeah. really paid off for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, taking a note out of other brands' books and controlling supply and demand and distribution right. like really... Back. Like we, you know, we always preach has really paid off uh, in this regard for them. So yeah. that's why they're on this list. That's right. So FP Journe is also a brand that you know was starting to gain popularity in 2017, cemented himself, I believe, in 2018, and obviously with the release of the new Montepulciere, it's he's here. He's right. somewhat arrived, I would say. Right, a lot of people who've never would have thought about buying an independent brand other than Rolex or Patek or even AP. Now they're going to Jorn, and he's a big contender. He's only making, what, 900 watches a year or a little bit less. Uh, and, you know, Jorn, I think you're going to see, when you look back at it, 2017 was the rise. 2018 was cementing himself right. as, you know, a real player. for. And also obviously the partnership with Chanel, which yeah. a lot of people didn't understand, but that financially cemented himself. So now he can give metal, legacy, double yeah. metal fingers to everybody. So uh, yeah, and congratulations to him as well because it's it's well deserved. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lifetime of building movements has uh, finally paid off with your name and lights. I would say that's right. Man. And uh, one of those things is just because, like what we talk about on the show, um, people looking for alternatives, sure. and it's a great alternative. Uh, so the last brand, uh, Laurent Ferrier, yes. uh, on the is is similar, mm -hmm. but I think um, the reason he's on this list for this year is this is. Uh, Jorn like two years ago. Laurent I guess. Ferrier is like stepping into the ring. In some ways. And people are noticing the brand. People are asking about it. Mm -hmm. um, they are extremely well executed movements. Um, and that's you what know, he focuses on. Yeah, the the, the movements are, are fantastic. And then the simplicity of the watch mm -hmm. kind of pays tribute to you wanting to turn it over and look at the movement. Mm -hmm. um, but so what's great about uh, Laurent Ferrier is that like he's got his own flavor, right? Yeah. So Jorn is double middle fingers. That's that's when you think of Jorn, it's like, hey, man, I'm going to do whatever I want, how I want it, whether you like it or not. And people really love that. Ferrier is almost the opposite of that. He's like, while he's going to do what, what he wants – Whatever he wants, he's going to be very nice subdued. He's not throwing double middle fingers. The guy just loves finishing movements, and that's what he does, right? right? For him, I think if he could just sell, here's the movement on a strap. You know, the dial, yeah. the case, it's all beautiful, but the focus is the movement. Well, the cases are unsigned. The dials right. are very simple. and Everything's meant to be very low-key. It's his own flavor. It's kind right. of his own thing. Exactly. And also, he was a uh, former race car driver, which is really yeah. cool, too. So, all right. So, best independent brand, non-Rolex. For the 2018 Desky Award is I'm gonna I'm gonna announce this one, Jason. Go for it, man. So is it Patek Philippe? Is it Audemars Piguet? Is it FP Journe? Laurent Ferrier? The winner is Audemars Piguet. Guys, all right. I think it's pretty easy to determine that Audemars Piguet had the biggest impact in terms of being an independent brand, changing the way they did business, and really just kind of. You know, being ballsy out there, saying, yeah. "Hey guys, we don't need a dis uh, a uh, a dealer, you know, distribution channel. We're going to do everything ourselves, and right. we're going to do it better." And it's they're trying, that's yeah. for sure. So, and they're doing. It seems like it's working. They haven't slowed down for anybody. They haven't apologized for it. They're yeah. they're steaming ahead, and mm -hmm. I think 2019 is going to be a crazy, crazy year for them. Yeah, they have regular production pieces selling over over retail right now. It's bizarre. It's like, you know, who else besides Rolex and Patek? Now it's AP, yeah. and it used to be, you know. Patek Philippe, Audemars Piguet, and, uh, uh, and VC were all, like, it was the Holy Trinity. Right. But really now, and I know we're based on movements, but it's Patek, AP, and Rolex in terms of value retention. Holy Trinity sure. value retention. Those are watches that you buy, and there's just, you know, you're buying gold. Right. 
All right, so the next, and getting down to the to the wire here, uh, towards the last few uh, yeah. so number nine categories on the category. No, it's number number eight. Let's see, it's seven. That's eight, Jake. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't count. Don't apologize. So uh, number eight, mm-hmm. best watch 2018, Richmond from Richmond. All right, so we wanted to break it up. So we looked at the best watch from Rolex. We talked about the best independent brand. Now we're going to talk about who, which is the best watch from the Richemont conglomerate, right? So they Richemont has a lot of different brands. They got Longa, a, uh, IWC, Panerai, Cartier, Vacheron, all these brands. Sure. So what are the the top four watches from Richemont this year? So yeah, we looked up uh, from this from this offering mm-hmm. uh, the top four watches and uh, that were released, and, I guess, yeah, this year. Right? They released this year mm-hmm. specifically, and in no uh, real order, uh, the Datagraph Loom. Right. From Longa. So Longa released a... So one of the most popular watches from Longa in terms of market value and demand is the Lumens, right? So they made they made a few different models. They made two different Lumen models so far, I believe. So this is the third in their Lumens. So Loom is awesome. I love yeah. Loom. I like Panerai. I like watching things, seeing things at night. And just it looks cool. Glowing things are super cool, Jason. It's radioactive. So now you got a Datograph. So a very... Their best watch, I guess. The Datograph is their best watch. They That's probably the best chronograph it made. Yeah, right? it's so the so this specific watch too is always kind of under the radar in a very in a very subdued type of chronograph, right? Mm-hmm. It's dressy to some, you know, in most know, it's regards, it's dressy. But the idea of the watch is that it's so much packed into kind of a dressy presentation. Mm-hmm. And then when you take a model and you turn it into like a loom, right? It just turns it on its head and it's kind sporty. of a, kind of a whimsical yeah, kind of way to wear that for watch. sport watches. Yeah. So they took a watch that can only be looked at as a dress watch. And then covered it in loom. I love loom. I think every every single brand should just cover all their watches in loom, including straps and case Could be and everything new else. Bust down. Yeah, let's loom. bust it down with loom. All right, so there we go. So we got the uh, the Richemont owns a Lang and Son Datagraph loom. Sure. All right. The next release would be Panerai Due. So the Douay line for Panerai, it's something different. This shows the new direction for Panerai. These are not water-resistant watches. It's kind of strange. Dive watch company that makes nothing but dive watches makes a non-dive watch. But they grew on me a little bit. It's something different from the brand. It's a dress watch, a true dress watch from Panerai. It's got mixed reviews, but they do sell. They have strong market value. These watches, especially the Blue Dials, have been selling. And they made a new 38-millimeter Douay, which has been very popular. So it had to be in the running. All right? Yeah. Next nominee for the best watch from Richemont this year would be. Not exactly sure how it made it on this list. Hey, I think somebody mouth. slipped it in there. But the Cartier Santos. That's right. We got it here, baby. That's right. So they got a full line. So they redid the Santos line, which is very much Cartier. It's uh, it's very distinctively Cartier. And now they made the watches very wearable, and price points are fantastic. And they made a wider range. They got steel. They got the two tone, the full rose and yellow gold, I believe, and then the skeletonized dial, which is. Which is a uh, an interesting uh, piece as well. Um, I guess you can compare that to like an eight an AP open work uh, for far less cost. Right? Yeah, and then uh, Josh showed the interchangeable straps, but what you guys might not know is that they come with the second strap. That's right. The so that's a huge buckle. yeah, and deployment buckle. So that's a huge uh, value upgrade as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I would have liked to have seen, and I think the watch is fantastic, and I've told Josh this, is the full rose gold or even the two tone. I would have liked to have seen a different dial. Sure. Uh, on the piece, I think something. that you got you know next year that's probably going to happen. Cartier's known but, for those dark white dials. Yeah, so. I just it would have been so romantic with the chocolate dial on that rose gold or something. Oh, you're a romantic guy, or aren't like you, a Jason? cream dial. Yeah, you okay. know, like romance. But anyways, right, uh, the last pick for this category is uh, Vacheron Fifty Six, the Fifty Six collection from Vacheron. Hey, look, it's Vacheron Fifty Six. And I think that kind of summarizes pretty much all of our uh, all the Vacheron love that you can muster for the brand. It, oh look, it's a Vacheron. Um, I think the watch just I would have nominated this for a, for a flop in my opinion, but um, it's a release this year nonetheless. The right brand is worth mentioning. I don't particularly care for the watch. But. All right, so let's let's name a winner here. All right, guys, it's the best watch of 2018 from. The Richemont Group, we got the A-Lang Datagraph and Loom, uh, the Panerai Douay line, the new Cartier Santos line, or the VC56. 
The winner which is one Josh picked. Hey, hey, listen, you got to pick a few of these here. So which one did I pick, Jay? I don't know. Cartier Santos, baby. I don't care who disagrees with me. I love this watch. And in fact, guys, I don't know if I talked about it, but I actually own this watch. This is my latest purchase. What are you doing? Give that back, Jay. <laughs> this is my latest purchase, actually. So I was de de debating whether I should wear this on the show or my or my Santos. This specific Santos, not belong to me. Mine's at home. But the watch is fantastic. I'm obsessed with it. I think for the in terms of value, in terms of cool what it means for the brand, because it it really is the essence of the brand, right? Um, and wearability. Look at that. It fits so nice on my wrist. Uh, Sixty-eight fifty retail comes with an extra strap, and they have a wide range of colors in terms of the straps as well. Um, so I'm gonna. I've already ordered a few, but the watch is fantastic. I think it's a great little you know knock around watch. If it had some water resistance, I would like it better. But Little uh, a little note here. First pilot's watch, Cartier Santos. Look that up, guys. Google it. Google it. Josh, okay. is that your, your Tim knowledge for the day? Google it. All right, guys. So that was the best watch from Richemont, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> my opinion. This year. It's a cool watch. I, I agree with purchase. I think it's a cool piece. I think I mean, for value, for, the for price, the money, 60, it's, it's crazy. Retail, man. Come on. Um, and it's it's available. If you guys yeah, want one, the call only me. downside, I'll, sell you, one. I'll yeah. sell you two. I'll sell you three if you want. Yeah, the only downside with that watch is uh, Josh can't stop changing the straps back and forth. Oh yeah, it's, it's all fun. All right, so uh, next, I promised you number nine a little early. That's so right. We're finally here. All right, Jay. So uh, number nine. What is the next category? Well, you knew nine? with one what we did with number eight is going to have to be Swatch Group, right? So best watch of Swatch Group. All right. So our opinion, best watch 2018. So best release 2018 from the Swatch Group. This looks like it might be Omega Heavy, Jay. And number one uh, nomination, we're going to go ahead and say the new 42mm Seamaster, mm -hmm. right, in all the flavors. Um, but yeah. we got a picture of that gorgeous, gorgeous gray dial, mm -hmm. and I think that this one, That's the uh, best one. may have stood out uh, we should have in terms some of, those of on buying. The show. We got some downstairs. Um, yeah. Check out our last episode where we did an yeah. entire spread of these guys. Or two episodes ago. Two episodes, yeah. Maybe three. Who knows? Two and a half. I stopped counting at 20. Okay. So the Omega Seamaster 42 is the first nominee for Best Watch from Swatch Group this year. Mm -hmm. Second nominee is from a brand that's known for tourbillons, and that is a Breguet La Marine. Hey, look, you at least start in. I mean, sorry, uh, Breguet La Marine. Are you sure? Uh, that's what it says on the dial, Jay. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so this is a new release. Listen, Breguet, brand that doesn't get a lot of love, smaller manufacturer. Uh, they make a lot of movements. I think they're the movement uh, for Swatch, <laughs> they they're making all the movements for right now, like all most of the in-houses. I believe I could be wrong about that. Some if I am, there. Google it. Yeah, some history in the brand. It's oh, a lot cool. of history. There's, great brand. It's a great brand. There's watches I picked from the brand before this, but that was released uh, yeah. by the group this year. Mm -hmm. All right, so third nominee for best watch from the Swatch group this year, Omega Trezor. Some for the ladies. This is actually a watch that sold pretty well when it dropped. A lot of guys were looking for this for right around the holiday season. Um, coming up, a lot of gift giving uh, was purchased on this watch. It's actually uh, quite pretty. And with you liking uh, Cartier, you can see some of the inspiration from the dial, I think, in that piece. Okay. Uh, best watch, watch group. Last, final, last nominee. Glashuta, Original, Senator, Cosmopolite, or Cosmopolite or something. Yeah. I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly. doesn't really matter. So this is a uh, the newest Glashute. Yeah, it's a it's a cool watch. It's a Glashute. I mean, Glashute makes some interesting pieces. German manufactured. It has that feel to it. Um, you know, that's it. All right. So who's the winner of number nine? I mean, you guys, you've guessed it, right? It's the Brig no. I'm just kidding. Omega Seamaster 42 millimeter. Of course, this is maybe the best watch of the year, just in general. It's, I mean, if we break it down across the, yeah. all the releases, it's a fantastic watch. Very affordable, very easily accessible, uh, good value. They make it on a bracelet, make it on a strap. It wears nice on either. For for everything you just mentioned, it could have been on almost all of these lists, right? Hyped watch, delivered, sleeper watch. Like It, it is probably one of the, the best received releases for this year and there's so many different flavors it's a good price point it's got a lot of history mm -hmm. uh the watch is selling like hotcakes yeah so yeah great pick yeah absolutely so our last and final for no real reason category will be the best watch from the lvmh group there you go that's right jason so that's the Ublo zenith 
Bulgari, Tag Heuer. <laughs> no, these are all the, these yeah. are all the brands that 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 are owned under the, uh, the LVMH group. So the so, first nominee mm-hmm. uh, for this is going to be the uh, Unico, the Hublot Unico, forty-two millimeter. There you go. Yeah, it's a good watch. Uh, I don't think we've even seen this in person yet. I think it's, uh, but uh, just the idea of having a forty-two millimeter Unico is cool. The forty-five fits nice. I think the forty-two would fit nicer. Yeah, Unico is a nice movement too. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, right. good movement. Uh, you got to feel the pushers on that watch. Uh, Hublot watch snobs don't like Hublot, but this is a good watch and it holds you know, relatively good value. So from a really good movement to what I would consider an even better movement, the best movement, the uh, new Zenith Defy. Hey Jay, what's this? This would be a Zenith Defy in there person. So that we have the non-chrono queued up, but we also have a chrono, and really this is the, the show. Watch right here. Let's go ahead and get you just because we have one. Zoom it in. There Work that chrono, Jay. Go. Push those. Bu- oh wow, is it broken? Is it broken? No, that's the way it's supposed to work, Jason. Third nominee is not one watch, but it's actually a partnership within LVMH because it spans across a few different brands, and that's the Bamford partnership. Yeah. There you go. Is that George Bamford, right? George Bamford with the great smile versus next to Jean-Claude Bivere with even a greater smile, and on the wrist, he's got a Bamford Tag Heuer Monaco cool so we've always liked Bamford they do some really cool pieces so now they've partnered with uh, they usually do they're known for doing like really cool Rolex partnerships or uh, right you know. so we we bought Bamford before uh, this partnership obviously and yeah, we were pre-owned. one of the, like the only pre-owned purchasers on the market that that kind of like like Bamford sure a lot of people wouldn't even buy them because uh, they're defacing the watches but right um, they've Rolexes. they've come to uh, so much of a height in the market that mm-hmm. they've well, the name's gotten yeah, so much so um, and really just on the backs of the quality of the work that they were doing yeah. so with this partnership it's really cool because you can buy uh, a factory produced piece that's been that's not your normal piece it's no. been modified and it's limited and limited edition and you get full factory warranty and it's pretty cool looking yeah and so on and so forth yeah. so there you go so now Bamford now works exclusively with LVMH they do uh, they have um, Tag Heuer's they do Zenith's as well right uh, what other brands have they have they worked with that's it so far uh, right yeah Zenith Tag and Nothing from Bulgari yet. Nothing from Ublo, I don't believe. No, I want to wanna say maybe there's another one, but I can't recall. Whatever. So, uh, Bamford Partnership. It's a third nominee. And the final nominee, and really the final nominee of the show, Jay. Yeah? Yeah. Well, from for these, maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit for after this 10. for a second. So, the uh, you guys know I love this watch. That's uh, why I made it on this list. And this is the Bulgari Octo Finissimo. Oh, yeah. You love that watch, Jason. In the titanium specifically, uh, full titanium bracelet. I think that watch is fantastic. Yeah, it's really thin, um, Jason. A lot, of, a lot of people really love this watch, so it's not just me. Just a really um, thin watch, it seems like. It's very thin. It's a super thin very watch. Very cool watch. Uh, micro rotor automatic movement. Great, you like it because it's super thin? Piece. And uh, Josh is now uh, trolling you. Yeah, trolling yeah. me. But that's cool because he owns a Cartier Santos. So. That's right, bro. It's a fantastic watch. Not quite as thin as the Octave Finissimo, though. So we got the top four nominees and the best watches this year from LVMH. We got the Hublot Unico 42 millimeter. We got the Zenith Defy. We got the Bamford Partnership. So all the Bamfords uh, coming out of LVMH collectively. Yes. collectively. And then the Bulgari Octave Finissimo. Jason, why don't you? Announce. Do I pick pick the one I wanted to pick or the one you wanted to pick? Why don't you pick the one that is the right answer that we agreed to? The uh, Zenith Delphi. 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 Is that like a vintage? No, this is the Defy. Hey. Uh, so we queued up the uh, three hand auto, but I think the Chrono's really the premium. Work that Chrono, Jay. Press that button. Oh look, it's broken. We're just gonna let it go. Cool man. So there you go. That is the best watch out of LVMH this year. And uh, that's yeah. it. The show's over. No, nah, well, I just so, timed it with my chronograph. Jason, looking back on this year again, it's been it's been quite crazy. The watch industry has exploded. You and I financially have done probably better than we ever have because the watches just so much volume, right? More watches being sold, and we, what do we what do we owe that to? You think? Uh, I know you want to say what you want to say, but I I think what? The, well, I thought, what I I thought you were going to make a uh, presidential joke, but oh, Donald? No, yeah. I don't, I don't think Donald's even more um, watches. You know, listen, I I think. Uh, I don't think so, does he? I think that we're sitting on top of a uh, pretty good 
bubble climate uh, for watches. I think that Maybe. you know there'll probably be an adjustment in the next 18 to 24 months. But for yeah. right now, we're going to ride the wave. Yeah. Uh, things have been crazy. Stainless steel specifically, mm-hmm. sport model stainless steel. A lot of these brands really paying attention to secondary market. Sure. Um, so really big companies like ourselves forcing the secondary market and some yeah. other players, I think, have forced these brands to really recognize uh, how much value and how much stock they put into uh, their service industry into pre-owned pieces into you know keeping the brand afloat on the secondary market sure like we said um so i think that that's a lot of what the market is um hopefully next year we see some cool new releases yeah and, uh, so i think that well. we can sum up the uh this year the main theme was the secondary market i think that was that's what drove the sales the uh, this, the retail sales this year, you know, you saw vintage exploded. You see brands actually acknowledging uh, the secondary market. You see brands like Richemont buying, you know, secondary market sellers like uh, Watchfinder and, sure. and eBay is now like uh, they're putting a huge emphasis on selling watches on their platform. And I think you're going to see, um, you know, what uh, which was it Richemont uh, that went that is selling watches direct to consumer online in in China is that what yeah, you so you saw a lot of changes in the in the uh, in the watch world in general and uh, you know it's very interesting it's a uh, it's been a crazy year for us personally for the watch world you know from a collector's standpoint from a professional standpoint everything across the board it's been yeah. crazy so uh, it's been a roller coaster yeah man so you want to do it again next year yeah why not all right, cool. All right, guys. So that's been our show. Uh, if you haven't realized it uh, right now, it's probably about six, uh, a little around six p.m. as you're watching this on the Eastern Seaboard. But uh, this was a pre-recorded show, so we did not look at any of your chat boxes. So there's somebody else is going to be uh, <laughs> responding to those chats. If you guys want to reach out to us, have any questions, email me at jthanos at uh, Godberg Watches, Jason M at GodbergWatches.com. That's right. Uh, you can follow. You can see our phone numbers on there. You give us a call, a text message if you have anything important to say. If you don't, you probably get ignored. That's okay. Don't take it. Don't have hard feelings. We're very busy. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna follow us on Insta, on social media, on Instagram, I'm Mr. Thanos, Mr. Thanos, Jason. I don't think you're on Instagram. Evo you can X check out four B eleven. Oh, that's Thank right. you very much. Yeah, and, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you can check us out. Watchbox. Uh, just Watchbox, right? Not Watch Us Global anymore. So Watchbox on Instagram. We got a ton of great content there. You can follow Tim. Tim's got the greatest Instagram um, account by far, man. He does one-minute reviews. It's really amazing. Go follow him. He's got like 10,000-some-odd followers. Be one of those followers. Check him out. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to this channel if you already haven't. If you haven't and you're watching this, shame on you, you terrible freaking person. We Especially don't like if you it. made it all the way to the end of the show. I That's was, right. So I, I just want to stop to say uh, okay. 30th episode, final episode of the season. Yeah, man. It's uh, been fun. So we've been sitting here a long time talking about watches, um, and I, I hope we do a season two. I know we're going to do a season two. Are we? Um, I mean, if we don't get fired. Yeah, so as long as we're still here. Um, but it's been a great ride, and uh, I hope you guys liked it. I hope you liked the deskies. Right? Yeah, it's a word cool. show. It was kind of cool. A lot of thought put into that. A one. lot of yeah, you could tell it's not our normal uh, a normal stick. We usually do the off the cuff type of stuff, but um, I thought it went well. In the comments, let us know what you like. If you would have nominated something else or uh, won something else on the list. Um, yeah, I don't care. This is this for us. Actually. So yeah, we're gonna go ahead and cut this extremely long episode. Yeah, guys. And award show and final and uh, do yeah, something see you fun two, on see our you next Friday year, night. 2019, guys. Yeah. All right. See you later. Cue the fireworks.